had the strategy conference just this week with Bishop Hilliard. It was amazing. You may be seated in the very presence of God. The strategies, the strategies conference was amazing. Oh my gosh, my bishop preached so good. It was it, and you know he did it all online. I didn't have to drive. I didn't have to get dressed up from the waist down. No, I'm just kidding. But I, but I had to, you know, I, I I didn't have to drive. That was wonderful. My a light came on. I'm like, wow, how awesome! And how much more could we do? online because it wasn't missing a thing. I mean, I'm telling you, the anointing was right there. It was so powerful. My, my, my eyes are really open to some things that we could do online that would really be awesome. How many of you would really like it if we did something, you know, midweek online so that you would, you know, you wouldn't have to come here, but you could join on Zoom or you could join online? Okay, praise the Lord. Would you rather come here? Okay, praise the Lord. Well, we'll do it both. We'll be here for those who want to be here, and it'll stream live for those who want to see it. Praise the Lord. Well, that's awesome, y'all. Okay, so what I wanted to talk to you about today is something that Bishop covered that has is, is been on my heart anyway. But we've been looking at strategies for supernatural results in crisis. We've been in this whole series on crisis since this whole pandemic came. Um, we've been studying how to, to effectively use our faith and how to come out of crisis. How many of you know God wants us to be overcomers? Amen. So we've been looking at strategies. And last week we looked at the strategies of getting our words in order. How important it is that we say the right things. That we say what God says. That because our mouth is the creator. Death and life is in the power of our tongue. And the Bible says those who love it will eat it. It's fruit. So whatever it is you're speaking, that's what you're going to be living so it's important that you get your words in order. You get a strategy. And I told you, you know, uh, organize your, your, uh, your faith confession. Organize it. Decide, you know, what areas in my life do I want to change? Let me put God to the test. Let me really begin to just take like 21 days to speak God's word over my life. Like, you know, the Bible says meditate day and night, even twice a day to meditate. When you get up and before you go to bed and meditate and declare and get yourself a strategy on how you're going to speak God's word over your life and see God change things. Amen. When we speak, things begin to change. So we have to get a strategy for that. And if you missed last week, you can always go on the app and, and listen to it. But this week I wanted to talk to you about the strategy of the Holy Spirit. Because we're talking about strategies for supernatural results. God did not call us to just live an average, just barely get it done human life. We're, we are superhuman because the Spirit of God dwells in us and is with us. So let me not get ahead of myself, but let's just lay this out line by line, okay? So strategies. What is a strategy? It's a plan of action or a policy designed to achieve a major overall aim. It's a master plan. It's a game plan. It's a plan of action. And that's one of the expectations of faith is that when I release my faith in a certain situation, that God will give me. That's one of the things I can expect God to give me is a plan of action. Say that, plan of action. So sometimes, you know, I love God with all my heart, but I just don't know what to do. Anybody ever been in a situation? I just don't know what to do. God, I need you to give me a plan. Give, give me a plan of action. Like uh, when Hezekiah was sick, you know, in the fact, they, they, uh, Isaiah came and told him, you're going to die. He's like, wait a minute. And he turned his face to the wall. God, I've been faithful to you. Um, I'm not ready to die. And uh, it, it, God turned the prophet around, and by the time he got to the courtyard, he said, God said, no, go back and tell him he's not going to die. And he said, I want you to uh, tell him he's going to live 15 more years. And he said, so that, so that he'll know that I'm going to really do it. Ask him, does he want me to turn the sundial back 
10 degrees or forward 10 degrees? And he said, well, it's easy to go forward. Make it go back. In other words, back time up 10 degrees. And God did it. But after that, he gave him a, a plan of action, which was to put some sort of a poultice on his wound or whatever it is that was, was going on with him, put some, some sort of a, a salve, a poultice, and told him exactly what kind to put on it. So he had a plan of action, even for his healing. I remember Bishop Hilliard saying one time, I don't know who this is for, but Bishop Hilliard saying one time that he was um, sick, had been diagnosed with some sort of sickness, something, and uh, he said, the Spirit of God told me to drink seven bottles of water in the morning. Seven bottles of water first thing in the morning. And he did that, and within just a short amount of time, he got better. But he trusted the Spirit of God to give him a strategy and a plan of action. Say, plan of action. Amen. Amen. Strategies. God will give us. You, you know, and we believe not for natural results, but supernatural results. Amen? We're believing God for the supernatural. What is the supernatural? God's, read this with me. God's existence, which is beyond the visible, observable universe, and manifestations attributed to him that go beyond... Scientific understanding are the laws of nature. So because we're in a covenant relationship with God, we can be creative and innovative, and the supernatural power of God makes the difference. Like the four lepers, they strategize. They said, if we sit here, we're going to die. But if we get up and we go towards the Syrian camp, you know, if the worst they could do is kill us, but if we stay here, we're going to die anyway. So they got up and got a strategy to just walk towards what they needed. And as they did, the supernatural, as they came up with the plan, or God gave them the plan to walk towards where these people had food while everybody else was starving. The people of Israel were starving. So they got up and they began to walk, and as they did, God added the super to their natural. Yeah. And he caused their footsteps to be amplified and scared the Syrian army so much they thought an army was coming for them, but it wasn't nothing before lepers. But God gave them a what? A strategy, a plan of action. The four friends strategized um, for their paralyzed friend. Remember the story of the four friends who brought the paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus? Yeah. Well, they get there, and, uh, and what happens? they got to have a strategy because they get there and they can't get in the door, right? Yeah. They can't get through the window. The house was so crowded with people that they could not get in. But they, they got a strategy. Well, you know what? This ain't our house, but hey... Let's just get up on the roof and dig a hole in the roof. And back then, you had to dig a hole because they used mud and straw and stuff to make the roof. They dug a hole in the roof and lowered the man down. They got a strategy of what happened. They got him in front of Jesus and the supernatural, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their what? When Jesus saw their faith, he said, he, the guy, he told the guy to pick up his mat and go home. And can you just see the five of them skipping home? Four of them carried him there. But I never thought about that. He, I'm sure he didn't walk on by himself. I mean, all four of them were like, Oh, my God, look at you. Look at you jumping. You couldn't do nothing a little while ago. Look at you now. I mean, could you imagine how that feel to skip home with the one that you carried there? But they got a strategy. Get him in front of Jesus. Tear off the roof. Do whatever we have. You know what? you got to decide. I'm going to be undeniable. I am not going to be denied the power of God for my situation. You've got to decide that. Gideon strategized. You know, take pictures and torches and shout when I tell you to. And, you know, that just tells me you can win with what you have. You know, some of us are waiting till I get to this point before I believe God or before, you know, I go to church or before I begin to serve or whatever. You're, you're, you're waiting. But God is saying, I can bless you with what you have. 
From where you are, I can take you to where you want to be. From right where you are, I can bless you, Michael. From right where you are, from right where you are. And you'll tell other people, says the Lord. You will tell other people. You won't believe how tore up and messed up I was. Amen. Because God can, can take whatever it is that you, he took the pictures and the torches. Says, now shout when I tell you to. And when he did, when they shouted and they broke the pictures and they saw the, 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 fl the uh, flames on their uh, torches, it, it caused them to, the, the enemy to just begin to destroy each other. But that was a strategy. The strategy was take pictures and torches. God can bless what you have for the supernatural power of God to flow through it. Joshua with Jericho. God told Joshua, he said, see, I've given you the land. It's securely shut up because of you, because of the children of Israel. I've given it over to you. He said, just march around the city seven times. On the seventh time, I want you to shout. And when you do, the walls are going to fall down flat. So what did they do? They got the strategy from God. They walked around seven times. And on the seventh time, they all shouted and the walls fell down flat. Amen. So the supernatural power of God was a, a blessed their strategy. Then Elisha and the widow. Elisha and the widow. She was in debt. She, um, she strategized. She went to the man of God. This widow, her husband had died. She was in debt. They were going to carry her children off and make them slaves because she didn't have any money to pay the debts. And evidently that's how they did it back then. And so she goes to the man of God and she says, look, this is the situation. You know, my husband was a man of God. Now I'm by myself. And now look, they're ready to just take everything that I have. And, and Elisha says to her, what do you have? She says, I don't have anything except a little, little bit of oil in a jar. He says, go borrow vessels and not just a few. From Ask of your neighbors. Ask everybody for vessels. And then when you have the vessels, go in your house and shut the door and begin to take that little, that little jar and pour it into those, those big vessels. And she poured, and as long as she poured, oil kept coming out. And those vessels were filled up with oil. And so she went and told him, I've done what you said, and i got a whole lot of oil. He said, well, go sell the oil, pay off your debts, and live on the rest. He gave her a strategy. Put her in the oil business. Hallelujah. And she paid off her debts. And she, had, and she had a business now. Now she's got a business. Praise God. And then Peter. Peter was in debt for his taxes. He strategized. He went to Jesus. He said, Jesus, you know, I owe taxes. I've been hanging with you now. I had not been paying my taxes. I'm not fishing anymore. i got to pay taxes. What did Jesus do? Jesus gave him a strategy. Look what he said in Matthew 17, 27. He says, go to the sea. And cast in a hook. And take the fish that comes up first. And when you open its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. So he gave him a, strat a natural strategy. Peter, I want you to go fishing. But I'm going to add my supernatural power to it. The first fish that you pull up, open his mouth. See, Peter still had to do stuff. Open his mouth, reach in, you'll find you a piece of money in there, plenty enough to pay your taxes, and by the way, go pay mine too. Amen. Somebody say supernatural. supernatural. See, we're getting strategies for the supernatural. God will give you a strategy for the supernatural to operate in your life. Amen. Number one, I have this expectation that because I am a child of God, I will overcome every situation. This is my expect. I expect to overcome. I don't expect to lose. My first pastor used to say, you can't lose with the stuff I use. 
with the word of God. Amen. His word has the final authority and the final power over my life. Not a doctor's report. Not not a a, a, a check sub. Come on. God's word has the He says I'm rich and abundantly supplied. He says I'm healed. Amen. By his stripes. So his word has the final authority and I will overcome every situation. First John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God. Raise your hand if you're born again. If you're born again, you're an overcomer. If you've been born of God, you're an overcomer. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, what? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Psalm 37, 25. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants out begging bread. God is still in the supernatural business of redeeming people, delivering people, lifting you up out of a pit and setting you on solid ground. He is still in the business of rescuing lives. Amen? Number two, I have this expectation that God will influence my thoughts with successful strategies when I trust him. So when we, when we trust God, him with our situation. When we when we roll our situation, cast our cares over on Him. Look what He says in Proverbs sixteen three in the Amplified version. It says, "Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust Him wholly to Him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will, and so shall your what plans and strategies be established and succeed." I added strategies right there. The plan is a strategy, right? So your plans, your strategies will be established and will succeed when he causes my thoughts. You know, where, does, where, where is the battleground? The mind. the mind, right? So this is where Satan launches fiery darts. And this is also where God is going to speak to me. But it's going to resonate with my spirit. I'm going to know that God has just spoken to me. Amen? So we have to learn to recognize when God is talking to us. And when he's impressing upon us, sometimes it'll be an intrusive thought. Like me when I was in the, the drive through line at Starbucks waiting to get coffee. And God speaks to me to come and look in the windows at this place. It wasn't even on my radar. I had just signed a contract for another place to have church all through the summer. I was set. All I needed was my coffee. But he said, go, go, go. He didn't say go look in the window. He said, go to your old location. So I got out of the line and went immediately, came and looked in the windows, and what? It was open. It was available. Amen. So that was an intrusive thought. See, and so so then I had to have a strategy to get in here. Amen. And so that's what he'll do. I'm just telling you that. I know I tell you a lot, but that was an awesome day when God spoke to me that. And now here we are in the manifestation of the reason he spoke. So you've got to instantly obey. Amen. But I have this expectation that he's going to invade my thought life and talk to me. Amen. Number three, I have this expectation that the Holy Spirit has been sent to me to fill me with supernatural power to overcome. So your two blanks on that one are that the Holy Spirit has been sent to me to fill me with supernatural power and to overcome. Zechariah, this is where I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6 through 7 says, Not by power, nor by might, but by what? Say that loud, y'all. By my what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. You see, when, when the spirit of God is with you and in you, and he is, then the mountains that you face in life, these crises, these pandemics, these issues, these things, that it becomes a plane. You talk to it, talk bad to it, like, uh, mountain, who do you think you are? 
God coming upon people caused them to overcome and be victorious. It's by the Spirit of God. Say that. It's by the Spirit of God. So, A, let's look at Samson. Judges 14, 5 through 6. Now, to his surprise, Zahu, Samson, a young lion came roaring against him. He's just out walking, and here comes a lion roaring against him. And the what? The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Chapter 15, 14 through 15, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord did what? Came mightily upon him. Now look, here comes the supernatural. And the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. God added super to his natural, but it was when the Spirit of God came upon him. Hallelujah, I'm getting happy all by myself. B, David, David, 1 Samuel 16, 13, says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And we know that was right before he went out to go kill Goliath, to kill the, the, the um, giant. He was anointed. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Amen. It caused him to be able to do supernatural things, to have the mind of God. You know, this, this giant is too big to miss. Right. He's too big to miss. And while everybody else is thinking, go with a sword, Saul gave him his armor to put on. I hadn't tested it. I can't use this. But David got a thought in his mind. I'm going to use a missile. This situation is going to take a missile. Not, not a sword. I don't know nothing about a sword, but I know a whole lot about a missile. So a rock became a missile and took the giant out. But, but God gave him the wisdom to do that and the plan of action. What about Ezekiel? See, is Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37.1. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And of course we know that God told Ezekiel to speak to the bones and prophesy to him and tell him to come alive. But it was when the hand of the Lord came upon him that he was prophesying. Amen. Then D, Gideon. We talk about Gideon all the time. He was, you know, somebody who was a nobody, the least in his family, the least tribe of Israel. When God came to him, he says, hey, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, you got the wrong guy. But God had supernatural plans. God wanted to add super to his natural. And don't you just love it that God uses the weak? That God uses the least? He uses the ones that are unlearned, the ones that don't have the background that looks the best. That's the one God says, oh, goody, that's exactly who I want to use, amen? Because then everybody will know it was me and not you. Yeah. That's why he reduced his army to 300. Yeah. So Gideon, he told him when he got 30,000 together, you've got too many. You'll say for yourself that you brought yourself your own victory, even though they were coming up against hundreds of thousands of, of, of their enemy. He said, no, I'm going to reduce you now. Until he got to 300. And he said, okay, I can work with this. 300 against an army that was innumerable. Judges 6.33-34 says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together. And they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Now that's his enemy. Verse 34 says, But the Spirit of the Lord did what? Caleb on Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Bezerites gathered behind him. Which means some of them, this is when he was building his, his army. 
So um, the Abazarites came and gathered behind him, but he was able to gather an army, a man who was threshing, who was um, threshing wheat in an oil press. He was, he was hiding, or the wine press, I can't remember which one, but he was hiding in a low place. A guy who was just a scaredy cat was hiding. It's now got the Spirit of God on him to build an army. Hallelujah. But that's the super added to the natural. Yeah. E, there's Daniel. Chapter 5, verse 13, it says, The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. So in all these cases, we see people experiencing the supernatural power of God because they were filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. It wasn't because Samson was so strong. It's because the Spirit of God was on him. It wasn't because David was so smart. It's because the Spirit of God was upon him. It wasn't because Gideon was a great um, you know, general in an army. No, it's because the Spirit of God was upon him. So not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He adds his super to our natural. Hallelujah. All right, so let's move to the New Testament. What about Mary, the mother of Jesus? You know, she's a virgin, and God is telling her she's going to be the mother of, of the Lord. The angel Gabriel comes to tell her about this, that she'll be the mother of the Most High. And here's what Mary says in Luke 1. It says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And down at verse 37 says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. So God added the supernatural power of God to Mary's situation. And then G, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Luke 1, 15-16. is talking about him. Um, the angel was, was letting um, his dad know he will also be filled with with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And look, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. How did he do it? He was filled with the Spirit of God. He was filled with the Spirit, even from his mother's womb. When his mother came in contact with Mary, Mary was already pregnant with Jesus. When they came in contact with each other, the Bible says that, that John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb because he knew he had come in contact with the, with the, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Then H, Jesus. Even Jesus. We, we see that even Jesus was able to do what he did because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Even when God was making everything. Listen to me. When God was making everything, He says there was the, there was darkness covering the earth, and everything was was in chaos and was void and without form. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. The Spirit of God. When God said, "Let there be," it was the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that brought it into existence. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus, Luke four eighteen through nineteen. As he stood up on, on the, uh, his first day of his ministry, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And why? This is why. 
because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to go and to preach and to heal and to set the oppressed free. He, the Spirit of God, it was through the Spirit of God that he was going to do it. Let's look at Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with... Power and what did he do? We went about doing good and healing. healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know, the pandemic does not cancel God's power. That's right. Does not cancel the power of God, the, the, the power of God's spirit in us and, and with us. And so I want you to begin to activate the anointing on your life. I think many times we live below where we should because we're not conscious of the fact that God has filled us with his Holy Spirit. As we were praying for Irma this morning, you know, any spirit of sickness or any sickness that's invaded her body is trespassing. Mm -hmm. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Your body is the temple of God. God doesn't live in a building. He lives in you and me. So anything in my body that is not of God, that is not um, of the promises of God, it is illegal. It is trespassing. I don't deny that it's there, but I deny its right to stay. It has no right to stay. Amen? In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Okay, so let's talk about the anointing. What does the anointing do? Number one, the anointing causes us to overcome fear. If you're going to be an overcomer, the first thing you're going to have to overcome is fear. Because fear will paralyze you. So the anointing causes us to overcome fear. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. Paul is, is talking to Timothy and he's saying, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So we have to keep the power of the Holy Spirit stirred up on the inside of us. And we have to acknowledge His presence. I acknowledge first thing in the morning, God, I'm filled with Your presence today. I'm filled with Your Spirit. When I touch, Jesus touches. When I speak, it's Jesus talking. Amen? The Spirit of God is in me. He, he's in me, full stature. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but we have to stir up the gift of God that's in there. Amen. Keep it stirred up. Number two. I'm going to get through here and go to Florida. Number two, the anointing causes the wisdom of God to function in our lives. The anointing causes the wisdom of God. I'm anointed to think right. I'm anointed to hear the voice of God. I'm anointed with wisdom because he is the spirit of wisdom. Amen. So, 1 John 2, 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. What does that say? It says you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Praise God. Well, you know, if there's a, you're up against anything you need wisdom for, the Bible says ask and, and you'll receive it. Because God, um, He gives liberally and without reproach. But if there's something you need to know, evidently it's already in there. If He's in there, then it's in there. Amen? We used to say that um, for Kevin. We used to call him Prego Boy. Because if he didn't know how to do something, we say, Kevin, it's like Prego. It's in there. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Y'all remember Prego commercial? It's in there? Yes. Okay, anyway. Yeah. All right. So we're not we're not here to just struggle through unlimited human power, y'all. We are not let me say that again. We are not here to just struggle through on uh, limited human power. 
We're not here to just struggle through on limited human power. We are not here to just struggle through on limited human power. But God wants to add the super to our natural. Amen? Number three. So what is the first thing it does? The anointing causes us to what? Number one, to overcome fear. Number two, it causes wisdom of God to function. And number three, the anointing causes us to be bold. When the anointing, when the, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're bold. Look how bold David was. He went out and told to talk bad to, go, to Goliath. He was bold. You going down, I'm going to cut your head off. And all the people behind him will cut their heads off too. Amen. Amen. So he went, he went and cut Goliath's head off. Goliath didn't even take his sword out. That's how much he didn't believe that, that David uh, was anything. But David was bold because he knew his God. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So... Acts 1 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So um, so it's important that we say what God says, but we we boldly we boldly say what the word says, right? What we know the word says, we say it, right? We speak God's word as far as we know. But our knowledge comes to an end, right? Where there are things in situations that we don't know. There's, there's things in situations right now you think you know, but you don't know everything. But who does know everything? And so God gives us a secret weapon. God gives us a power that goes far beyond that. Far beyond what we currently know. For what we don't know is that God gives us the power to speak. What, the things that we don't know, God gives us the power to speak that into existence as well. I want to take my time with this. I want you to get it. But I am about to go to Florida in a minute. Says, <laughs> because, you know, I fully believe it's time to change the culture of the church. From being timid about offending new believers with the supernatural and being bold and causing them to thirst for it. It's time to be bold about speaking in tongues. Amen. It's time to be bold about the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and prophetic and right. word of wisdom and word of knowledge and healing going forth. Inst instantaneous healing. Watching like uh, Michael was talking this morning about how, our, our guest. What's your name, brother? John. John prayed for a man and he said, uh, Michael watched while the guy's leg grew way out like this. He said, now what would you say, line up? Go back into perfect alignment. Go back into perfect alignment. And that's what obeyed and went back into perfect alignment. Hallelujah. So that's what we that's what we're talking about. Yeah. That's where we need to be. Amen? Because it's time for it. It's time for it. We only have limited knowledge. That's why it's so important that we embrace the supernatural because that's where we're at. We can recognize that's the season that we're in. This old season has come to an end. And it is a new season. It's a new season of, of an outpouring, the likes of which right. we've never seen before. On, you've never seen anything like this before. Sure. See, we come to church and you expect the pastor to pray for you come to get on. healed. Listen, right. God is saying in this season, you're going to do it. Right. In this season, the, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come mightily upon the average believer. Yeah. These signs right. will follow those who believe. Not right. the pastors, not the prophets, the evangelists. We're supposed to equip you for the work of the ministry. Right. Right. Hallelujah. So it's time to change the culture of the church. And I don't want to be ashamed of speaking in tongues because there's so much power attached to speaking in tongues in those things that we don't know. 
Those things that are outside our scope of our limited human knowledge. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, we're praying the perfect will of God. So those things that we don't know, those things that we don't understand, if we're not praying in tongues, we are forfeiting those things. Those things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love Him, but He reveals it through His Spirit. And I'm going to take you to a place in that Scripture in a minute that you're just not even going to believe. Whew, Matthew 3.11 says, I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist talking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. You know, as you get baptized in water, it's a picture of the repentance process that we die with Christ. I'm no longer alive as I used to be doing things my own way and my own will. I am not, it's not me living anymore. I'm crucified with Christ. Yeah. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when, when, when the waters of repentance, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, that's the first baptism, right? But there's another baptism. Listen to me today. There's another baptism. He says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. We know he's talking about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. Mark 16, 17. Look at, listen to me. Listen to me. Y'all pay attention. Try not to move around or do anything that would distract anybody right now because God wants to do some things in here today. Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs will follow those who believe, not the pastor. My, my job is to teach you this is who you're supposed to be. I think once we release the power in the pew, this place is going to go up. Not just this place, but every church in the world. It's time to release the pew, the power in the pew. It's time for you to get up, amen, in the power of God and do the works that he sent us to do. Even greater works, he said, shall we do, because he's gone to the Father. Some of y'all are saying, I did not come for all of this. I'm sorry. But this is what God wants us to do. He says, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Jesus put his name on the line. He put his name on the line. His name is above every other name. It's the name above every name. At that name, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. You know, in my little Catholic brain growing up, that was for some of them people in them churches where they were called, we called them Holy Rollers. And we thought they were way off. And some of them are. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to come and take you over and make you run and do flip-flops and knock over the chairs and break the wall and run through a glass window. You know, I saw uh, uh, <laughs> on YouTube, y'all have to go look this up because it's hysterical, where in a, in a little Pentecostal church, it's so cute, they, uh, some, they, they, the preacher was singing a song, and it was some kind of hymn, and you can't really tell what he's singing, but he's like, oh, something like that. He's singing. When they when you go to that part, everybody go to running and, and jumping and climbing over pews. And this one guy, we're running. He had his coat. He was bringing, throwing his coat like a, what do you call it, a rope over his head. He slung it and threw it up on the pulpit. And then he goes running through the church, comes running back up around behind the pulpit and jumped in the baptistry. <laughs> jumped in the baptistry. And people will say, God made him do that. Holy Ghost made him do it. No, that's flesh. That's flesh. It might just be joy. Hallelujah. Because you know, you can get full of it. 
the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So you can control yourself. The Holy Spirit is not going to come and take you over and make you do this and not against your will. We participate with him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And, and if I lost anybody, everybody's still good. Everybody okay? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So Jesus put his names on, on the line. So look here. Let's look at, at, at like, speaking in tongues. But when I, I, I was about to tell you, me growing up in the Catholic church, you know, we didn't talk about speaking in tongues. When I saw this scripture, that there was a baptism in water, and there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm like, there's two baptisms. How did I, how did I not know this? I was, I was shocked that I didn't know that there were two baptisms. One in water, and one in the Holy Spirit and fire. I, I, I was literally shocked. And it sent me on a quest to find out what this was all about. And these are some of the scriptures that I found. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So you may not understand what you're saying. Uh, other people may not understand what you're saying, but God understands every word. And uh, sometimes you'll speak a language that is known to men. It's in, you're speaking another language that you never even you never you never spoke French in your life, but all of a sudden you're speaking French and glorifying God. Um, we, at our, uh, I know uh, Harry, you remember Brother Bob and Sister Helen. Brother Bob and Sister Helen were in a, a, a prayer intercessory prayer group back at Northfield Church, my first church, and they were praying in the Holy Ghost, and uh, which means they were praying in tongues. And when they got finished praying in tongues at the end, they had a guest minister who was standing next to Brother Bob. And the man, the man asked Brother Bob, he said, are you from the Middle East? He said, no, I'm from Houston. He said, well, you were speaking perfect Aramaic. He said, I was. What was I saying? He said, you were praying for an orphanage in the Philippines. So sometimes it's a known language, but then sometimes it's like Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. That's right. Sometimes it's an angelic. Sometimes I think it's a little of this, a little of that, a little of this, and it's all put together. And the yeah. syllables mean nothing to us, but God understands every yeah. single word because yeah. it's the Spirit yeah. praying through us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right. Have I lost anybody? Y'all still good? Yeah. All right. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13. Listen to me, y'all. Open up your spirit to hear this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. 
Amen, Bendy. <laughs> Bendy Lewis, my dog, out here barking in there. She's going to Florida, too. But did y'all did hear that? But, we're, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. So as we pray in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit praying through us the perfect will of God. You know, just as you're, as you're driving in your car. You know, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. See, when I heard about the Holy Spirit and other people at, at Northfield Church were speaking in tongues, I thought, oh dear Lord, where's the egg to get me out of here? These people are weird. But then the more I hung around, the more I realized these people knew something I didn't know. They had something I didn't have, and I began to be jealous and want to know, what is this? And so as, and when I found it was in the Bible, I'm like, you've got to be joking. Then I began to study everything I could about the Holy Spirit. And so how does faith come to you? The promises of God, Galatians 3.13, or the promises of God are received by faith. So if you're going to receive anything, you receive it by faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when I had heard the Word about the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and how Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll speak with new tongues. I'm like, okay, Jesus said, I'm all about me some Jesus. I want everything Jesus said I'm supposed to have. So when I was convinced in my heart and convinced in my mind, convinced in my spirit that what tongues were, it wasn't something awful, wasn't something spooky, nothing awful was going to happen to me, that uh, God wasn't going to make me speak. That was a key, and that's a key for a lot of people who have a hard time receiving the Holy Spirit. They're waiting for God to come and take their tongue and make them do it. It doesn't work like that. We cooperate with Him. But as you begin to speak, you begin to speak syllables you don't know. As you begin to speak them by faith, you give voice to it. It will come flowing out of your belly like you will not believe the, the words that come out of your, out of your spirit. And there really aren't English words to describe such a spiritual experience. So I didn't, I, you know, some people receive in church with other people laying hands on them, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But I was by myself. Come on. In my shower, like God made me. You, mean, you could be naked and get the Holy Spirit. Yes, I was. Don't try it in here. But I'm telling you, yes, at home. I, pr I prayed. I said, I believe it. Yeah. I believe you want me to have it. That's right. I ask you to fill me, Father, now with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Yeah. In Jesus' name. And by then, I believed I received it, so I had it, so I began to speak. And I just began to speak. What did I begin to speak? I didn't know. I just was going to let something come out. And as it began to come out, this beautiful... It still flows today. The same way when I open my mouth and I begin to speak. Amen. How it comes. How it comes. It says, don't let this freak you out. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are a little freaked out, don't let it run you off. Come on now. Come on, man. Because you gotta keep you gotta keep hearing about it until you're just as convinced as I was. Amen. This little Catholic girl. They don't do that in Catholic church. You do this. You kneel down a lot, you stand up a lot, you sit down. You stand up, you kneel down again, you stand up, you sit down. You go forward for communion, you come back and you kneel down. And then you sit back and you think you're through doing whatever it is you're supposed to do. You know, you, yeah, and you know, you know, we do that. But, but they, they don't do that in the Catholic Church. Amen. But, but I'm, I'm just so grateful that God sent me to a church where I wouldn't have 
just to have half of what God wanted me to have. You know, some people are happy with half, and you can get to heaven with half. But I want it all. I want the power for this generation that he put me here for. How do you feel about that? He put you here. You're not just here because you picked God. God picked you. you, you didn't he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. When I came and knocked on you and, and touched you on the shoulder, and I touched your heart, and you believed that gospel, that's because I chose you, not because you chose me. Hallelujah. He appointed you. He scheduled you. He put you here as a believer to do those works that Jesus said you would do. Greater works. Hallelujah. And it starts with getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at receiving the Holy Spirit. Number one, develop a hunger for God. You know, as I was preparing this message, you know, as I thought about what was the, the most driving force within me when, when I, I went to receive the Holy Spirit? It was my hunger for God. I was so hungry for God. I'm still hungry for God, but I'm telling you I was like a dry sponge. I wanted, I wanted to be filled with God. I wanted, in my mind, I couldn't study enough. I carried three Bibles with me everywhere I went, just in case God spoke a word to me. I carried the big, exhaustive, strong concordance. Y'all, you've ever seen that book? It's this big. It's like this. It's huge. You still got that book. I used to carry it with me everywhere, just in case God spoke a word. I could look up the, the, the Hebrew or the Greek and see what God was saying. There was treasure in every word that I learned from His word. But you've got to have a hunger for God. You've got to have a thirst for God. And if you're not thirsty, if you're not hungry, you better shake yourself up and stir yourself up. Get in the Word. Amen. So to the degree that you'll hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So if you can just get a hunger, if you can just bring a desire to God, God will fill it. <laughs> the problem is not with God. You bring it to Him and He'll fill it. Psalm 42, 1-2. Look at this, y'all. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know, He's alive today, just as alive as He was when He walked on the earth. He is the living God. And God says, dream big like I'm alive. He said, I want you to receive from me like I'm alive. Ask and come to me with your hunger like I'm alive. Amen. John 7, 37. It says, if anyone thirsts, what? Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, his belly, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. See, when I received the Holy Spirit that day in 1994, Oh my gosh, a river was let loose in my I came with a thirst, and God gave me a river. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So amen. So I've dug through scriptures, read book, read books, everything I could get my hands on about the Holy Spirit. Back then you had to have the book. You couldn't go read it online. Right now we got no excuse. You can pull it up anywhere on online, on Google. You can pull it, you can pull up anything about the Holy Spirit. So um this generation is looking for authenticity. That's right. This generation is looking for the supernatural power of God. They're looking for it. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God said to me as I was putting this together, he says, people are not expecting to have an encounter with me. Mm -hmm. 
He said, expect, expect to have supernatural encounters with me. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And that's what you really want. It's, it's you want it more than you really care about a new house. Amen. More than you care about a new car. More than you care about a new puppy. More than you care about whatever. You can, that, there's a place in you that really wants to draw near to God and wants what God has and that encounter with God more than anything. Jeremiah 33, 3 calls me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Isaiah 30, 18 says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. That's something, isn't it? He's waiting for you. Matthew 4, he wants to pour it out, but he's waiting for you. Authenticity, when you go behind the closed door and talk to God, just you and God. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. His word spoken. My daily bread. Number two, focus on the spirit. I think we're too worldly focused. I think we're too focused on, you know, stuff and flesh. And, and just stuff we got to do, y'all. Come on, we're busy. A lot going on, we're in a pandemic. A lot of stuff going on. But we really got to focus. If we will take the time to focus on the spirit. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit... The things of the Spirit. So you've got to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Colossians 3, 2 says, And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Mm. So we're in the season of the outpouring. Let's focus on this season. Let's focus on outpouring. Joel 2, 28. This is the season, y'all. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Wait a minute. Hold up a minute. Hold up. Didn't we just read about all the people that were suddenly filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? What did those folks do? Supernatural stuff, right? They, they did supernatural stuff. Job on of a donkey. Come on. Supernatural stuff. The missile with David. Supernatural stuff. They did supernatural things when the Spirit of God came upon them. So what is this saying? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all of us. That means you and me. That means all of us. Amen. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen. Your old men shall dream dreams. Amen. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and upon my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I believe there's a day coming, and I believe, I don't say it's a day coming, I, the day is here when God has poured out His Spirit on each one of us, that we're so hungry, we're so thirsty, we're so ready to, to be close to God and to do the works of God, that God's Spirit is poured out on each one of us, that we're doing those works. Amen. When you go to work, when you're at, at the post office, or when you're, you know, in your house, or in your neighborhood, amen, that you've got a ministry. Number three, rapidly respond to him. Rapidly respond. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't go away from here today and say, you know what? 
I'll just wait to find out about that Holy Spirit thing. I pray something clicks in you right now in the name of Jesus. It causes you to just be insatiable. Until I'm filled with the Spirit, I will not stop until this experience that Pastor Sally has had until it happens to me. You want me to pray with you and lay hands on you? I can sure do it. But if you want to do it at home by yourself, I heard about a lady who got filled with the Holy Spirit in her kitchen. She said, I was on my kitchen floor just speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. So let's look at the different responses that, uh, that you could have rather than the rapid, the rapid response. You could have a reserved response, like the demon-possessed boy's dad. He was like, his response was kind of reserved. Jesus is like, so you want me to heal him? He's like, well, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That was sort of reserved, don't you think? If, if you can do anything, Jesus is like, if I can do anything, all things are possible if you can believe, Right? So that's the reserved response. We don't want that one. Then there's the rejected response. That's the rich young ruler. He, the Bible says he went away sad. Matthew 19, 22, Jesus told him, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. He was going to be the 13th disciple. But he was still in love with his stuff. Amen. Matthew 19, 22 says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So he rejected the response. To God's invitation. Then there's the resentful response. Naaman. I'll go dip, but I resent that God didn't do it, didn't do this my way. <laughs> Second Kings 5.11, but Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. But God said, No, go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan. And he did. And on the seventh dip, the Bible says he came up without leprosy. His skin was like the, the skin of a brand new baby. That's right. So there was the reserved response, the rejected response, the resentful response, or there's the rapid response, like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was going by and blind Bartimaeus saw it and heard him. Didn't see him because he was blind. But he heard him. And uh, he cried out loud, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And his cry got Jesus' voice, his response. It says that Jesus stood still. Jesus stopped. He said, bring him to me. Jesus stopped where he was, he was on his way somewhere. But he stopped and he said, bring him to me. So what was, what was blind Bartimaeus's, what was his response? It was a rapid response. Mark 10, 49 through 50 says, then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. He got up immediately. He threw off the beggar's garment and he, he found his way to Jesus, got to Jesus, and he got his miracle. But Jesus had called him. I'm telling you today that Jesus is calling you to another level. Amen. Jesus is, call, Jesus is coming by today in the voice of your pastor. Telling you, I'm calling you to another level. How many of you are going to throw off where you are right now and say, I'm never going back to a powerless life? Amen. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I want to have a rapid response. Yes. If that's you today and you want to be filled with the Spirit, I just want to lay my hand on you. I'm not going to say a long prayer. I'm not going to tarry and wait for you to speak in tongues. I'm just going to lay my hand on you. If you can receive by faith this morning, if you can receive it, then you can have it. Amen? You can do it. So I just ask that you come and just stand right here. I'm just going to quickly, if that's you, you want to receive, you got that same rapid response as blind Bartimaeus. 
First of all, raise your hand if you're already filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues. So look, those of you who are worried about it, look. Raise your hand. If you're already filled with the Spirit, you already speak in tongues. Look around. A lot of people around here, they're not weird. They're not spooky. They're not awful. They're not strange. They are the people of God that have already received. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Sally, would you just lay your hands on me? I'm not going to say a long prayer. I'm just going to say in the name of Jesus and place my hand on your head. Amen. I will anoint you with oil just as being symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Sweetheart, would you mind bringing the oil? Is there anybody this morning who want me to lay my hands on you so you can receive the Holy Spirit? You don't have to speak in tongues here. You can speak in tongues in the car on the way home. Anybody? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. talking about some bold people. People who are boldly ready to go to the next level. Amen, amen. Amen. Anybody here that's filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. 